Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. So many determinations, so little understanding. Caroline had said yesterday, but she must understand Perry thought as he moved to the driver's seat and started the engine. After all, she'd mothered Ben 14 eventful years, carrying the full brunt of the first few months, battling night after night for his survival, enduring the early months of hospitals and tests, chromosome smears, results, and discouraging revelations. Then the toddler years, the countless accidents and falls, the bruises and the stitches, as Ben learned to walk with his palsied leg and angled gait, regularly tripping into walls and doors and tabletops. And she had endured the comings and goings of nannies, au pairs, and maids who arrived full of fresh ideas, tried for a week or a month, but soon couldn't take it any longer. Couldn't take what as parents, Caroline and Perry had to, Ben's rampant seizures, three, four, sometimes five a week. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host of New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Julie E. Justice, author of Degrees of Difficulty. In this moving novel, a family grapples with extreme seizures and constant medical challenges in taking care of their son and brother, Ben, who was born with a rare chromosomal disorder. Families with differently endowed children will empathize with the parents' struggles to find compassionate, consistent caregivers or a good home with the resources to give Ben what they cannot. All the rest of us who have not endured this kind of struggle will certainly hope for both advances in science and better, more nurturing institutional choices for those in our society who suffer from difficult, untreatable mental or physical conditions. Hi, Julie. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. It's so nice to be here with you. Thanks for having me. So I loved reading your book. Tell me, what was your inspiration? Well, my inspiration for this book was really... um, the experience of living with and caring for and loving my brother, Robert, who in many ways is similar to the character Ben in the novel. I wanted to explore the repercussions of a family caring for a kid with special needs like this and delve into, I guess, the truth of my own life and also 
make that available to other people who have families with similar issues. Did you have, did your family have similar way of taking care of him? Did they take care of him at home the whole time? Um, my brother, Robert, who was, like I said, similar to Ben, he, he stayed with us at home and went to kid, uh, schools for special needs kids. He went to public school sometimes. So we did have this experience of trying to find the right place for him educationally. We had a couple of attempts to find him a group home that didn't pan out. Um, but he, he never went to the sorts of institutions that we, I explore in the book. Um, my family was lucky in that we had financial resources and emotional resources to, to support my brother, even when there weren't the kind of supports in our community that would have been really helpful. It looks like from your bio that you lived in quite a few places. Yeah, I was actually born and raised in England. Um, my family traveled a lot. We're a family of wanderers. Um, we moved to the Bahamas when I was 10, 12-ish. My, my brother Robert was actually born in South Florida, and we subsequently moved to Atlanta. I came to Chicago, and I... I married. And once I planted roots, I stayed put. Mm, so you're here in Chicago. I am. So the book opens in 1991 with the father, Percy, taking Ben home from yet another place that doesn't want him or can't deal with him. Why does the father have so much trouble finding an appropriate institution home for Ben? Um, Ben's needs are complex. He has both physical and intellectual disabilities, and that's complicated even further by the fact that he has rampant seizures, grand mal-type seizures. So his care needs are very complicated, and the places that Perry finds for Ben along the way tend to be under-resourced. They don't have the staff, they don't have the trained staff, and they don't have the oversight that's necessary to provide not just basic level care, but the kind of quality care where you would want your own child to be and to have a full life. So at different institutions along the way, Perry and the rest of the family learn that Ben is not being appropriately cared for. And in many cases, the institution says, hey, this kid is too complicated for us and send him home. It was it's just heartbreaking. But why is taking care of him so precarious? Well, he needs constant supervision. He needs uh, someone to check in on him throughout the day, uh, to be with him essentially throughout the day in a classroom setting or in a sheltered workshop environment. Because Ben has a wicked and mischievous sense of humor that may have real-life ramifications he doesn't understand. My own brother, Robert, used to do things like taking running shoes and trying to flush them down the toilet or throwing car keys out of the window, and he would get a great chuckle out of those things. Sometimes acts like that can go too far. And in the case of Ben, sometimes he does things that endanger other residents. Um, so he needs real close monitoring. And frankly, a lot of the places that we look at in the book don't have that kind of care in place. 
But he's so lucky to have his brother, Hugo. They have such a wonderful relationship. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So when I began this book, one of the impulses was an article I read about how siblings, how typically developing siblings of kids with special needs respond to the responsibility of caring for and uh, living with their sibling. Typically, um, kids go one of two ways, according to this article. Some kids want to get away from home. They feel overburdened, overtaxed by the responsibilities put on them at an early age and get out of there quickly, as quickly as possible. Other kids embrace the caregiver role. So in my novel, I, I look at two siblings who essentially embody those different responses. And Hugo is the kid who's closest to Ben, who gets Ben in a way that the others in the family don't. He feels, rightly or wrongly, that he has some kind of primal tether with his brother that helps him understand him, that gives him compassion and empathy when others might get frustrated. But he also loves him and he has fun. Hugo is a brilliant diver with huge potential. And he brings his brother along to, to I don't know, support him like a cheerleader while he's practicing dive after dive after dive all day long, all summer. It's really beautiful. The water is a place where Hugo and Ben first connected. Water was a medium that helped relieve um, the sort of intense tension that Ben has in his body as a result of um, spasticity um, from his medical conditions. But the water is a good environment for him to relax. Um, So Hugo spends a lot of time with him in the water and Water also becomes his medium. He learns to dive. He learns to train and put his body through this incredibly complex training regimen. Um, But in the water together, they are in their element. They are bonded. Mm -hmm. But the sister uh, comes to this from the other perspective, as you were talking about, the other kind of child, sibling. She feels like she's sacrificed enough for Ben, and she wants to get on with her life. Do you do you feel like she's selfish or do you feel compassion for what she's been through? I feel a lot of compassion for Ivy. In many respects, she's a typical teenager. She's frustrated with her family. She's tired of the demands they place on her. And she wants to get away. She sees her life beckoning from afar. And as soon as she can, she's going to get away to college. Um, does she come across as a little brash and dismissive of her brothers? Yes. But is this a typical teenage response? Yes. And in fact, as we learn later in the novel, Ivy has to kind of look back on those moments in her earlier life with some regret and figure out, um, was it okay to find herself, to get away, to find herself? I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie-smart, protein-plus, and keto. These are two-minute meals 
Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. So Carolyn, the mother, or Caroline, is struggling to do her work as a literary literature professor at Emory. What, what do you want the reader to think about her? You know, Caroline is a complicated woman, and I guess my goal in writing her and exploring her character was to push back against the notion that women, that mothers are supposed to be the primary caregiver in all situations. Carolyn, Caroline feels the gravitational pull of her family. Um, and it's a strong pull, particularly because of Ben's ongoing needs. But she's also passionate about her work as a Shakespeare scholar she wants to get work done. She has goals. And the two are in tension. How does she pursue those goals while she knows that her son is at home requiring her care and that if she's not there with him, then either her husband or her kids or somebody else is carrying a heavy load? Mm-hmm. Per- Percy, her husband, seems like a great guy. He tries so hard. He's so patient. He's a contractor building homes. What? Why isn't he rewarded by the rest of his family? Well, in a lot of ways, Perry is the upbeat, game face on, can do guy who doesn't let things get him down. And so, yeah, he's a really good guy. He's an optimist, glass half full when his wife is the other way. But he also has the kind of the ability to maybe smooth over over things that he should take a bit of a closer look at. He doesn't see that his wife is struggling to the extent that she is until it's almost too late. He doesn't notice that his son, Hugo, is giving up too much of himself. Um, so he does have this notion of a perfect family that he's trying to keep going. And his blindness is his inability to see the fractures, the fissures before something drastic happens. But he's also uh, consistently optimistic. It's maybe he, he just isn't able to see the negative side. He always thinks everything's going to be okay. Let's talk about his relationship, for example, with his wife. Yeah. When I first began writing this book, I was playing around a little bit with the notion of four humors, the Hippocratic notion that um, humors govern temperament. And, And Perry, for me, was the sanguine guy, meaning he has an excess of blood, according to Hippocrates, which made him happy, upbeat, and he's imbalanced. Um, Caroline, on the other hand, 
is burdened by melancholy, which, according to Hippocrates, resulted from black bile, a buildup in the system. So I was playing around with those notions. As the book moved further along, I kind of dropped that scaffolding and it was no longer part of the story. But the part that remained was that there are personality types and um, to some extent they complement each other. Um, But as stress and more pressure is applied to the family, they also threaten the family. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to Hugo and Ben. They have this wonderful game of pushing each other into the pool and Hugo invents all kinds of little games to entertain Ben. But then it it all goes awry when Ben gets uh, sent home from one of the institutions that um, was supposed to be watching him. And the reason was because he put somebody else's life at risk. And I was very upset about that moment because um, why weren't those two severely challenged patients constantly monitored? Can you talk about oversight in that kind of an institution where parents put their special needs children, you know, hoping that they'll be looked after. What happened there? In the case that you're mentioning in the book, it was a situation where Perry thought he'd found the perfect home for Ben, yet once again, Ben sent home due to this incident. And what happened was there wasn't enough supervision. Um, Typically, especially during the 90s when this book is going on, um, kids like Ben would end up in larger institutions and those places frequently didn't hire enough staff and didn't pay their staff enough and didn't train their staff sufficiently to deal with the complexity of a kid like Ben. Um, So the frustration that happens during this Um, period of care for Ben and several others is really um, endemic to the whole long-term institutionalization of kids with special needs. And probably the reason we started seeing a lot of pushback in the 90s and a move towards getting kids into community settings, into group homes or into their own homes with 24-hour personal attendant care. So what's going on with that now? Well, definitely there's been progress. Um, A lot of kids have been moved into smaller group home settings, a lot of adults too. But as with so many things in this country, um, there aren't enough resources placed there. A lot of folks are waiting for Medicaid waivers that will help them get that kind of service because it's very costly to pay for group home placement and play, pay for 24-hour um, aids to be there. So we don't have enough in place, but it definitely is an improvement over what we saw with the mass institutionalization in early days. Yeah. So I noticed that you are an attorney um, specializing in civil rights issues. Is this one of the issues you pursue? You know, a lot of my legal career has been working around the field of disabilities. And 
certainly that must have been part of my response to living with my brother Robert, who's uh, had also very complicated physical and intellectual disabilities. Um, so yeah, it. I think that led me to this career. Right now, I'm not doing as much work on disability issues. I'm more focused on race equity and economic justice. Um, but I would say my worldview was very much shaped by caring for a kid like Robert. I, I can't imagine how that must have uh, changed you. Did it also affect your siblings in similar ways? Yeah, I would say each of us um, has, I would say, grown um, significantly in terms of ability to connect with a wide range of individuals. Um, not a lot of judgment, you know, we we tend to be an accepting crowd. And um, I think that when you know how unkind the world can be to a kid like Robert, to a kid like Ben, as he shows up in the novel, you want to do your part to, to reach out to all people with all kinds of differences and be a good person. Okay, be a good person. That could be, that's pretty solid advice. Um, just, I just want to mention that you continue the story for a pretty realistic per portrayal of the family's lives a decade later. What did you want the reader to take away from that? I wanted to give a sense of what what might happen to a family like Ben's family. Certainly, as I was growing up with my family, um, my parents would comment on the fact that many of the uh, families around us with kids with special needs were fractured in some way. Um, oftentimes, the spouse typically the husband, frankly, would leave. It just became too much. And there'd be a mom caring for a kid with special needs on her own. Or there might be adult children in the family caring for their um, sibling after the parents had died. So living with and caring for their sibling. So I wanted to portray Ben's family, the Novotny family, decades later, looking at what this life had meant for them. Um, it's not all negative. They all grew and changed in different ways, but certainly they did change as a result of living with and loving their brother and their son with special needs. Really uh, just a beautifully moving book. Um, I wonder, thank you so much, first of all, for joining me. And secondly, what, what's next for you, Julie? Well, the, the good news is that because this novel took a while to get done and to publish, I've got another one almost ready to go. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Can we have a hint of the what's it about? Yeah, the, a hint would be that my peripatetic childhood did take me to the Bahamas, and that's where the novel is set. Um, other than that, it's exciting and deals with hurricanes, danger. <laughs> it's a fast-moving book. Um, so look for that to come. I will look forward to it. Thank you for being with me here today. Galit, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to ask me these thought thoughtful questions. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for joining me. 
Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host of New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with Julie Justice, author of Degrees of Difficulty. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to discuss it further with me and other New Books Network listeners, please join us on Shuffle. Shuffle is an ad-free, invite-only network focused on the creativity community. As NBN listeners, you can get special access to conversations with a dynamic community of writers and literary enthusiasts. Sign up by going to www.shuffle.to forward slash NBN forward slash join. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.